Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestle Review. Have we watched WrestleMania? Dylan has. I'm watching it in installments because I'm at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Shows are going really well. If you are in Melbourne, please buy tickets to the extra shows, which is something I've never been able to say before, uh, all at MelbourneComedyFest.com or MaryTobinPresents.com. Dylan, what are you doing, you big giant cuck lord? I like opening with plugs, baby. We what? When the hell is this coming out? Uh, I'll be in Windsor. Oh my God, Windsor, Ontario. That is April nineteenth and twentieth, and then I'll be in Sudbury. And my agent set that up, and they haven't sent me information. So I'll fucking figure that one out. And that is on April. For those of you who have never been to Canada, Sudbury is far enough from uh, where Dylan is in Toronto that if it would be like if you left London, England and started driving the distance, you'd be in the ocean before you stopped the car. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You Basically, it's Scotland. It could be a different fucking country. No, it's country, further than Scotland. It? Scotland is only five hours. Scotland is Toronto to Ottawa. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. No, Sudbury's like... No, Sudbury's like uh, three hours, three and a half. Are you insane? I mean, I'll I'll Google map it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Wrestler Review, and of course this week we are doing... Gorilla Monsoon, a man who definitely drove a lot to places like Sudbury to go, aha, I'm Italian or Asian or whatever, shut up. <laughs> I'm fucking, I don't know, man. I like food you don't like. Let's fucking fight, buddy. I'm not a... Irish white person, so that means I can be any ethnicity you want in the 1930s. Spit in my fucking face. I'm shit. Gorilla Monsoon is amazing because this is the first time I read about his crazy hill career and how much he was feared and like derided by so many people, and I just remember him as being the nice man who talked to Jesse Ventura. Yeah, he he definitely like wielded power in a very weird way and i think that the only version we get of this man is from people like is from a vince mcmahon the wwe slant where he's in the fucking opening and b from like the main podcast that everyone sources for information about these people is bruce pritchard's podcast which is obviously another wwe podcast essentially so we never really know how evil this man was <laughs> maybe he was like a really nice dude maybe he was but i mean if you wield this much power and if you basically buy into puerto rico so that you now own part of the puerto rican wrestling company like for sure there's a lot of like looking the other way this guy did about weird what, shit. what i think it is with gorilla monsoon gorilla monsoon is a smart middle class guy from new york and he got into a business and he treated it like the business people of his day like he treated it like a early like a late 50s early 60s businessman which is like this is the industry you rise up from it you maintain a good living and you be a nice person and if that goddamn woman talks to me i'll give her a fucking punch in the face <laughs> but it's again it's a very interesting thing with gorilla monsoon we're jumping around but the thing to remember about gorilla monsoon is yeah. gorilla monsoon was one of the people that essentially gave Vince McMahon the seed money to buy the company off of his dad and within the contract he got a job for life and if uh, at any time could take the company over from Vince McMahon until the money was repaid and he helped and he delayed taking the money back uh, to give Vince more time and as a result Vince McMahon basically thinks of him as Jesus yeah 
well, he knew he saw basically things in Vince Jr. that not no one else did, but he was the first guy to be like, okay, this guy's cool, this guy's fine, and gave him, and made him valid as a promoter, which led to the fact that Vince McMahon is now nearing 80 and is going working on his third face, his third new face. It's also very interesting is that every big heel for Vince McMahon's favorite baby face, Hulk Hogan, was essentially Gorilla Monsoon. Well, this is this is all the, the WWF uh, fucking formula, but we'll get into that. How about we start here? Gorilla Monsoon was a Division Three. This is the funny thing. Like, oh man, he was such a good wrestler. He was never pinned. He was in Division Division Three. <laughs> he's six five three hundred. Moved really well, but I mean, he's six five three hundred, and at that point, he was the biggest uh, college football player in the late fifties. Um, playing both offensive and defensive line. And what happens when you're 6'5", 300 in the 50s? Uh, yeah, bad knees, because odds are he could have shaved a cool 40 oh, off yeah. of that. This is not steroid weight. This is milk and smoking, and I have hamburgers for breakfast. How do you get that fat in the 50s? Because, like... They put butter in everything. What it was like? By the way, a lot of the I've just I have I've been researching this for a bit of stand-up comedy. The obesity epidemic in the United States is not caused. It's a because of population dens- density and type of diet. There is just as many per cap. Like the amount of fat people in America is representative of their population. They actually have a very similar diet to most of the Western world. There's just a lot more of them. It's not. So, yeah, for sure. That's where it's come from, and it's also like, l- like lethargy. He genetically obviously was a bigger guy, and then it just added on to it that he was probably doing weight training in the fifties, which is like you throw a medicine ball, and then you smoke a menthol as opposed to an unfiltered. <laughs> well, and also like this was—I I mean, I'm not sure about the fifties diet, but like, has anyone? There's for hundred percent the fact documentaries are essentially split into three things: Hitler, food. And the environment? No, 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 it's true crime. Oh, sorry, there's four. Well, I guess Hitler would fall under that, but I was reading t- too specific. So, true crime, uh, food, and the environment, and I don't know if I've seen one that's just about how, like, like how common were, like, just p- potato chips in the 50s? Because I feel like Gorilla Monsoon could have been 600 pounds if potato chips were know. around I go more. by, like, my mom still has, like, the, like, she eats a lot of fruit and vegetables, but, like, also, like, weird things. Like, she's like, uh, whole wheat bread isn't bread. White bread's bread. Like, just weird stuff like that. So it's, like, one of those things where... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah. potato chips, but, like, my mom will put regular butter and then peanut butter on a peanut butter sandwich, which is much better. It's just a better way to have a peanut butter sandwich. Because it's also double butter, baby. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. They'll put butter on, like, my mom would, like, butter and mayonnaise sandwiches when I was a kid. And then I was like, can you just cut out the fucking butter and mayonnaise? Like, the butter and mayonnaise doesn't make mustard here's taste something better. I- <laughs> just give me the mustard. Here, here's how you can tell someone was alive in the 50s. They put butter on a croissant. That's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. It was like that's the that is the fifties. The idea of the of growing up in the fifties and sixties is the fact that they will not accept that you don't eat chocolate. Oh yeah, but if you eat two pieces of chocolate, they're like, you're a slob. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> have one squ- have have a Kit Kat, have one stick of the Kit Kat, and if you have two, 
I do get to lock you outside and you don't sleep yeah. inside. You're an animal to me. You're a dog. A woof woof. <laughs> Fetch me my shoes, dog yeah. boy. Two pieces of a Kit Kat. You've already had your break today, dog boy. But also things were like, they would be like, oh, you want to buy pop? That's like probably, I don't know. I don't know the, uh, I don't know the pricing structure back then, but I can't imagine Gorilla Monsoon wouldn't have... I don't. I can't imagine Gorilla Monsoon would have made it out of being a professional wrestler in the '70s if you could just buy a two-liter of uh, soda for like a yeah, dollar. Yeah, you back could then. definitely do that. People just didn't. That's well, crazy. I think that to they me. just did, and it just let like we don't know what it was like. like okay. Also, alcohol. Oh no! Here's what. Here's what it is. Into the effect, alcoholism was so much more acceptable back then. Which is like, okay, now people are like, I'll get a Diet Coke for the road. Back then, they'd be like, ah, I'll get eight beers for the road. <laughs> well, here's the, here's what it is. He's born in 1937, so he's a depression baby. Like, he's his parents are just basically like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way he would have like, oh, I'd, I'll have a, I'll have a uh, one part soda, four parts water, because today is my wedding, and I'm spending all the money I got, oh, baby! Yeah. Like... There's no way. There's no way this guy grew up uh, spending frivolously. The only thing he spent uh, frivolously, which we'll get uh, later, is uh, gambling. He was a huge gambling. Yeah, addict. which would explain the fact that he always had a thousand dollars on him in case he wanted to buy something, and that thing was a ticket for a horse race. <laughs> so, Gino Morella was discovered by Pedro oh. Martinez. Yes, the pitcher from the late '90s, Tihi, and he debuted in late 1959. I, if you. Any pro wrestler biography, you can just substitute the word discovered for groomed yeah. by. <laughs> he was found by a smoking man in a maroon shirt with a pocket in front who said something like, you seem good, wide back. <laughs> yeah, he just came out of the darkness and went, you seem yeah. eager, let's stretch you out. <laughs> you seem like you could be filled by my cum. Pardon me? Uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. <laughs> I don't think you are, so Vince here's McMahon Sr. You're right. Now, if you'll be quiet, I'm off to go talk to this Gene Okerlund fella about how I want him to treat all the female employees at my office building. <laughs> Gene, if they're not shrieking, they're not working. So, Dino Morella, first character, was a proud Italian who would sing in Italian prior to his matches. He was like a clean-cut baby face because mostly he's working Buffalo, Cleveland, and Toronto where there's... A ton of uh, Italian people, and baby, I really want to see uh, Gino Morella come out with what they thought an Italian stereotype was in the early 60s. It's just him with a monkey on his shoulder and an accordion handing out pepperonis yeah, to the Yeah, and I audience. assume that like the, his, entire, his finishing move was he would take so long trying to spell America that the uh, opponent would fall asleep and he'd win. Amari, Amiri, Ariri, Amari. But if you watch these matches, man, baby can move. But then, of course, his knees got shot because, as you'll see, here's something crazy: is that he starts doing like monsoon start. Now I don't know if he's to start by any chance. Like I'm not like a like a Dave Meltzer. I'm not a you know a high functioning autistic. Just a man on steroids. Yeah. I'm on a man who was like, <laughs> take the needle, read yeah. the book. Take the needle, read the book. Oh, man, I watched that Kenny Omega documentary. It's uh, just about how Kenny Omega's a good wrestler and Meltzer's all over it. And it's like, he has Scott Steiner's arms. Well, it's it's a, what clearly is, is Dave Meltzer was like, 
No one's going to intimidate Dave. You do push-ups, you read. You do push-ups, you read. Remember your kid's <laughs> name. Doesn't matter, though. Oh, I'm Dave Meltzer. I profit off of the weirdest thing in the world. It is very weird how he built it. It's really just the one thing where it's like, if you try hard enough, literally anything is a business I remember model. him explaining <laughs> once that his busiest time was the Chris Benoit murders. He was like, that was the height of subscriptions. And I was like... Oh, no, Dave. No. Yeah, that's... You know, Nancy really took one for my industry. By industry, I mean my mortgage payment. Ha, 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 ha. We'll, uh, we'll do a Dave Meltzer episode one day because I really would like to make fun of that <laughs> I guy. Mean, we've got, we, I wouldn't say we're making fun of him. I'm saying we are just accurately describing someone who recently saw him at a wrestling event and said he sat down during the national anthem and just kept out loud predicting the finishes to no one in particular <laughs> he's also like the amount of times he like responds to oh, people his twitter on twitter who are clearly trolls it's just like a 19 comment thread or Actually, I think you'll find the Intercontinental title was not originally won by Pat Patterson because that tournament was complete <laughs> fiction. No, it wasn't. Uh, I will show you a video of the tournament that is actually... The, I'll show you videos of Vince McMahon making the Intercontinental title. No, Pat Patterson won. No, you... How can't you believe me? <laughs> but his pain is our gain, you know? Mom says truth is right. Mom says it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll he'll have they'll find out his wife like lives in a closet. I guarantee that she's just in a perpetual eye roll, and it's just like he's got a thick, hard dick. <laughs> you really think so? Let's try and get Dave Meltzer to whip. It I gotta out and say show this us. about Dave Meltzer: you know that you point him towards a goal, he's getting it done. And that woman was like, "I, I wanna." I want to finish every sex session at risk of drowning in my own fluids. And then he was like, I'll be off to the library. I'll return when I'm ready, madam. <laughs> also, if anyone anyone feels like editing this and, and tweeting it at Dave Meltzer or any of the quotes, please do. Because I guarantee he'll respond with some sort of Kenny Omega metaphor. Ah, that joke's so good it reminded me of Wrestle Kingdom 9. Haha, <laughs> who remembers that event? Well, that's so, yeah. I could see him responding worse to, like, you being like, hey, Dave, your fucking wife's a whore. I could see him responding better to that than me being like, Kenny Omega, bit overrated. What do you know? No. Yeah, no, if you wrote Dave Meltzer, your wife's a whore, he'd be like, three sexual partners does not count as a whore. <laughs> and then he'd, like respond with their Facebook information and they would be like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? But then he could beat them up while being like, ooh, interesting. Your blood type is A negative. I have A negative. Would you like a transfusion after I'm done thrashing you? Your kindergarten teacher was Miss Maisel. <laughs> <laughs> Listing off facts about them. <laughs> the birth weight of your son was six pounds, eight ounces. Well, ow, yeah. why? Creepy facts. Nobody knows this, but you keep a sandalwood candle in your top right drawer at, uh, at work. Sometimes you like the smell of sandalwood. I like that Mean Gene Okerlund is uh, a disciple. Dave Meltzer is a disciple of Mean Gene Okerlund, rather. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the future. He won't kill you with blades. He'll just bore you to death with statistics about how the Bullet Club was actually more profitable than the NWO with adjustment figures. If you misquote attendance, 
he will get angry yeah. and murder Dave you. Meltzer <laughs> cannot figure out that uh, the WWE is just not ever going to admit that it's fudged the attendance records, and he will eventually just die of a stroke while yelling 78,000. <laughs> well, here's a guy, actually, who would take the outlandish number. Legit, Monsoon would take the outlandish number and be like... 93,000, Jess. Oh, my God. There's got to be 6.8 million people in this arena, Jess. Jess, here's something you didn't know about these 93,000 people. That's counting as a plus one. Holy mother of goodness gracious. There's no more seats. Bob Euchre's dead. <laughs> uh, he was nicknamed. Okay, so in the spring of – let's actually get back to Gino Morella. So Gino Morella's uh, run as a glittering Italian. Clearly, they were just like, get us another Bruno Sammartino. Uh, came to an end starting in the spring of 1963 when he uh, went on a tour of Japan. Um, he was nicknamed the White Elephant and the Human Typhoon and started introducing uh, new uh, moves into his set. Also had a match with uh, the Giant Baba. Uh, and uh, Giant Baba actually let uh, Monsoon give him a giant swing, which is, of course, made famous by um, the more foreign of the um, uh, Cesaro from the bar. I was about to say the more foreign one in the bar, which sounds... That's very funny. The more foreign one? Wait a minute. So <laughs> Switzerland's more foreign Correct. than Ireland? That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I do believe Vince McMahon has a graft of things that are fo the varying degrees of foreign. American, not foreign. What if we were in another country? I said American, not foreign. <laughs> yeah, America's number one, so it's always number one. Mexican is number eight. Number nine is actual alien from another Vince planet. Vince McMahon, I guarantee, because the <laughs> WWE has never run an event in Africa, does not know what it is. They, they've run events in Africa. Have they? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they tour of Africa this huh. year. I was unaware of that. Yeah, buddy. They've been, oh, though, buddy, they've been everywhere. I, I don't know if they've been to Russia. Yeah. But I'm sure may, maybe they have. They might have just done one on the outskirts, so it's like, it counts. So they didn't have to book a big arena. But yeah, they've been they've been fucking everywhere. But uh, we should we should say this. Um, this is where he really takes off. And Gorilla Monsoon essentially He returns has to the WWWWF repackaged as the Gorilla, Mo as Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, yeah. He's from Manchuria. He has a giant beard, yep. and he basically just fucking kills people. He's discovered by Danny Davis, who tra supposedly traveled to Manchuria to find a Nathaniel missing link and discovered a naked man wadding through a, uh, a stream. Di Nude didn't in the know stream. any English, brought him back, and away we fucking go. Even though it's like he's supposed to be this huge gorilla man, but he's just like clearly and seemingly like a nice man with a chin strap. Yeah, who fucking terrified the shit out of people. They f they basically had him squash the shit out of Antonio Rocca. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, N in less than three minutes. Not unlike like the here are the people that have gotten a push like this this quickly into wrestling. Big Van Vader. End of sentence. No, because. Lesnar, all right, Lesnar's first, this would be the equivalent if Lesnar's first match was against, um, like, Kurt Angle and he won in three all minutes. All right. Like, that's, Inoki, beating Inoki in under five minutes and beating in Antonio Rocca in three minutes, that's like, these are protected spots, like... Like, Ron Strowman didn't come in and just, like, beat fucking Kane immediately. Like, I, I don't even think... The only guy you could even say approaches that level of protection that they would have had in these days would be, like, The Undertaker or, like, Lesnar. Now. 
That would be like the equivalent of this. Like this is he fucking comes in, he squashes him immediately. People are like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. This guy can't be stopped. And the gimmick really works. And like you said, they've used this formula a hundred times and a hundred times it works. It's not unlike exactly like King Kong Bundy. Essentially, Gorilla Monsoon had kind of King Kong Bundy's career if King Kong Bunny would have just stuck around. Nah, I can't even say that because he, he would it's it's touch such a different era. But he uh he wrestles San Martino in a record setting gate because he's just a different type of opponent. Usually it's like Bruno San Martino is going to uh, punch this rude man who didn't like yeah. my tomatoes. Uh, but now it's uh this crazy fucking guy <laughs> Basically, it's like, if Bruno San Martino loses this match, this guy might just start killing people in the audience. <laughs> and, ba- and by the way, he beats him. He beats Bruno San Martino by disqualification. No, Bruno beats him by disqualification, not pin. Like, like they yeah, protect yeah, Gorilla Monsoon, and he is basically, he is sort of that roving big heel opponent that Bruno San Martino, like, chases for over a fucking year. Like he and they do that great thing of Monsoon goes down. He's in a tag team with Toro Tanaka for a while. Goes back up, fights with uh, San Martino again with a tag partner. They keep sort of protecting him and protecting him. Pardon me. They they fucking drag it out for three years. Yeah, I mean this is the '60s. You can you know what I mean. Think of how good and how fun storylines would be if it only happened once a goddamn month again. Oh, oh that'd be great. Well, that's but again, that's why. You know, NXT has the benefit of being an hour-long television show. Everyone is jacked up for AEW because it's mostly just them showing you photos of wrestlers you like, and they don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's great. Remember Jim Ross? He's here. Oh, cool. I really like the idea because apparently Jim Ross is supposed to be one of the, like, he's supposed to be, like, producing all the commentators and just, like, commentators who are in their 30s now talking about, and then Jim Ross is like, don't forget to mention your pussy, how big and uh, Now, fellas, I don't know how you're going to work this into conversation, but if you could men- mention Brian Bosworth, that would really do me a solid. these <laughs> gals go to Oklahoma? They didn't? Well, looks like you're talking about how big their nipples are, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we got a women's match coming up. Now... I don't know how you're going to work in the term piss flaps a bruising, but if not, you're going to see a slobber knocker back here. (laughs) Seems to me we got a Spanish against a uh, Japanese. I will be in the toilet, gentlemen. Say what you want. But if you could say a sushi burrito, that would also be quite appreciated. Coming down an aisle is a not in my country versus a gardener. Let's see who wins. Yeah, get them. All of your clothes smell like liquor. Uh, I wash them in vodka. That way, when I sweat, I get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, now if you'll excuse me, I'm off to go call that Mop Jan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is also good because now now that I'm reading this, I feel like that... They said they always said Sandman was the first guy. Oh my god, he's smoking on the way to the ring. I guarantee once Gorilla Monsoon dropped, they're like, wait a minute. So I don't have to be like a fake gorilla anymore? No, you're just like you're you've been in the territory too long. Everyone knows you're a babyface. Oh thank God. And he just started smoking in the ring. <laughs> but not as part of a gimmick. He's just like, Gino, it's Gorilla Monsoon. Oh hey, does anyone have a lighter in the audience? Someone get me a fucking lighter. This is not 
a question. This is a demand. Jesse yes. Ventura doesn't work at uh, at the WWF yet. He just only calls someone he's speaking to, Jess. Uh, Jess! Uh, <laughs> what's amazing also about Gorilla Monsoon's sort of heel turn is they do this very slow turn, slowly become sort of this friendly, nice baby face. He starts speaking English. Yeah. And it's a great, tra- it's again, it's a great transition because the WWF at this time, it's still Bruno on top. But they know that Bruno is going to cool off, so they need to put other people that are attractions into position so they can keep the card strong. Because, you see, the thing with the WWF was is that they would transition between hot champion or hot cards. And how they would save money is if they had a hot champion, it would be weak sauce cards underneath, not such a hot champion crazy ass cards underneath so if you look at like a bob backland card it's like dusty roads versus the concept of god Uh, antonio anoki and an actual tiger in a knife match muhammad ali punching an nypd cop like these crazy ass (laughs) um cards yeah and this is their transition going towards that, which is we need to build up the mid-card. Bruno's going away, and that's what starts happening in the 70s. Go on, Dylan. So, Monsoon was actually used as Pedro Malice's champ, uh, champion. He <laughs> was used as his manager from 71 to 73 because he was such a good promo. And it's basically like if you stopped watching wrestling for three years and was like, oh, the monster man. And then he came back and he's like in a suit being very eloquent. Like, because it was revealed he was a great promo. And the other thing was that uh, Gene Oakland, or Gene Oakland, <laughs> well, Mr. Morella, in this era, which was very important, was he was like a top notch wrestler. We didn't talk about this explicitly at this point. But he almost made the Olympic team, uh, and he was about 300 pounds at the time. So the guy could move, and but as happens with those people, like his body broke down very quickly because you know he's a top-notch athlete. And something that I watched from watching a couple matches is watch watch Gorilla Monsoon get body slammed, and watch the mats that he had to be slammed on. Like these things were just fucking wood. Like he just got. S- and people were doing the huge body slam throw across the ring thing. I couldn't imagine how much that was. It, I had the bad. same thought. I watched one of his matches. It's also one of the things you see him hit the ropes, and they have like the weirdest amount of like. It's not like they're hitting, like, yeah, they're hitting ropes. They're hitting boxing ropes. Like they're hitting these things that have gives. So there's no support to the back, and yeah. then you're getting hit by like a a near blind man who thinks he's a bear named Bruno. Who then whispered, that's because you didn't say hello to my grandma on Sunday. Your grandma's dead, Bruno. You say hello to her anyway, Gino, if that is your real name. Say hello to the sky then, Gino. You call yourself a goddamn Chinaman? I'm Italian like you, Bruno. Ah, speaking Mandarin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the other thing that's important, though, because this is going to be a weird one because... As I was yeah, just going to say, it. he also, in the 70s, really becomes Vince McMahon Sr.'s sort of enforcer in the locker room. A lot of bookers had this, which was a wrestler who never shifted from the territory, who was kind of like... He was their guy in the locker room. He was, the what's for back of a better term, the locker room stooge, who like reported directly to the booker, enforced the fucking rules. If you didn't fucking like something, it's not like now where you go call Dave Meltzer and get in the dirt sheets... You'd be like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to do two clotheslines and a sleeper. I'm Captain Lou Albano, and then Gorilla Monsoon would just, I either assume beat the shit out of you or just put a cigarette out on your head and be like, now go place this bet down at the OTB. Yeah, he's 
a lot of what Gorilla Monsoon in front of the camera was, we can draw conclusions to stuff that they do in the 80s with like the monster character and then how they phase out a monster character but a lot of what gorilla monsoon is behind the scenes is basically like it goes from gorilla monsoon and then gorilla monsoon legit starts getting sick and they're like the undertaker becomes gorilla monsoon behind the stage behind the scenes sorry like the locker room enforcer the guy who like makes sure everything's right the direct line to vince that type of thing the mr super 100% company man I do wonder the who the company man is behind the scenes now. Like it's like it's one of those ones where the, you just it hasn't it hasn't trickled out to us the nerds yet who is like the guy doing I, I assume it's something awful like it's JBL or something horrendous like that. Well, JBL was one of them, I guess, but like I don't yeah, I I couldn't hazard a guess because people kind of like I think this, hopefully, this era of wrestling, people will stop buying into the myth of, like, WrestleMania and, like, wanting to be on WrestleMania and the wrestle, the whole fucking thing that allows the WWE to kind of, like, abuse these dudes and throw them out like fucking garbage. Like, I hope AEW is a step in that direction, but I have no idea. I think maybe Cena was it for a bit, but I think anyone who has, maybe it's someone you don't know. Maybe it's, like... I don't know who's been there. Maybe it's Alicia Fox. <laughs> I hope it's Alicia Fox being like, "What the fuck? What the fuck did you do?" <laughs> it's Renee Young. <laughs> did I fucking stutter? Um, yeah. So the seventies are very interesting for Gorilla Monsoon. He starts making some really questionable business decisions from a moral standpoint because he gets into financial. Uh, oh yeah, with Carlos Colon and Victor Jovica. You may know them from our Patreon episode Victor where they Kionis. may or may not have helped murder Bruiser Brody. They did, probably. It's about 90% um, they so did. This is how much sway Gorilla had in uh, both the WWF and in Puerto Rico is that Bruno San Martino lost to Monsoon there in 78. Yeah, buddy. That's what I'm saying. As did Bob Backlund. It's fucking crazy. It's so weird that Gorilla Monsoon, one of the most universally liked people in wrestling, also for sure was like... <laughs> like as of 1988, he was like, oh, some events happened in Puerto Rico over the weekend, and I just want to say something, Jess. If you owe me money, you're going down, and I don't care if your body ever leaves the country. Jess, here's something to remember about debts. You either pay them back or I'll see your fucking guts, you long-haired Texas, Texas fuck. Thing to know about me. <laughs> Most of my family puts people in marshes. I put people in showers. Back to the ring. <laughs> yeah you're gone buddy and just make it just be happy i didn't bury your goddamn kids alive too back to the ring jess thank goodness here's what's goodish about you you're dead you fucking welcher now either you fucking make with the cash <laughs> or i'm gonna send your thumbs to my fucking bookie I pay everyone 500 bucks because I'm God, Jess. Back to the ring. <laughs> Jess, I know you think that's a snakeskin suit I got you, but it's actually Bruiser Brody's wife's skin. I had it replaced with a light <laughs> bottle. Sometimes I take things too far. Oh, my God. Back to the action. <laughs> what a maneuver. <laughs> no, but uh, this... Uh, one important thing, and then we'll get to uh, Gorilla Monsoon, the color commentator. Their comment, not the comment, just the commentator, baby. He's the play-by-play -play man. You absolutely blithering fucking idiot! Make another mistake like that, and you're off the podcast. Here's a play-by-play. -play. Your mom sucks everyone off. <laughs> I told you that in confidence. 
Very nice woman. Um, so, oh, Gorilla Monsoon, as part of the build-up, basically, for the Antonio Anoki muhammad Ali match. Also known as the, the nap heard round the world. But, like, a huge match at the time. Airplane spins Muhammad Ali and, like, fucking... Like, goes over on Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, that's the full thing. Like, he... You gotta watch this. It's on YouTube. Um, Ali comes in. They square off. Monsoon does a quick beat-up of this guy. He, like, barely can move at this point. And Ali moves around the ring a bit. And then Monsoon gets him in an airplane spin. And Ali just fucking sells that he's dead. And runs out of the ring yelling at Monsoon. This was, of course, to build up that a wrestler could beat up a boxer. And, yeah, man, it's like, it's fucking crazy. Like, Muhammad Ali legit did the job for Gorilla Monsoon, which is insane. And Gorilla Monsoon was the guy who were like, all right, if we need to show a wrestler can beat up a box. Well, they did it because Monsoon was, like, the biggest guy regularly on that television show. And he wasn't even wrestling that often at the time. But he did have a great mystique about him, so that's why they picked Monsoon, because they wanted someone bigger than Ali. They weren't gonna, like, you know, have Bob Backlund do it, right? Yeah, it's also an interesting thing of how this is not remembered as part of Muhammad Ali's legacy at all. Like, it's just, they don't talk about the time he participated in his favorite thing that he watched and was totally influenced by. Like, it's it's the weird, I, I find it utterly fascinating that no one talks about Muhammad Ali's huge amount of participation in professional wrestling but he is at so well it, i mean he's the refer he's the outside referee during uh the first wrestlemania he's in this antonio Inoki match uh, this build-up for it i didn't realize until i read the research as provided by c hobson research or er, um it's utterly fucking fascinating yeah i mean I don't know, in a, in a Muhammad Ali autobiography, where do you put the pro wrestling stuff other than like, oh, he took a bunch of stuff from pro wrestling. Also, the black Muslims and the Vietnam War. Like, that's way more interesting than being like, and in wrestling, his finishing move would have been the Yeah, suplex. but this is not that far removed from the Rumble in the Jungle. Like, this is not that far off from when he is arguably the most significant person in sports in the world. And within... Less than a decade, he's getting gorilla spun by an Italian guy pretending to be a Chinese guy. <laughs> he's not pretending to be a Chinese guy. Oh, the Manchurian. You. You're right. You're a right boy. Check this out. After the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Gorilla Monsoon. Essentially, not through what he did in the ring, which because his in-ring career as like an intensive thing was about 10 years. And then he's off and on for about another 10 we're going to talk about Grill Monsoon behind the scenes and uh, how he influenced our childhood and how much we influenced our lives and why he's dead and maybe he's not I even know, dead. I know, he's like right? Elvis. He's on an island. Um, before we go, I just want to quickly break down how he became uh, a part owner in what was the WWWF, which is uh, Toots Mond, whose real name was Joe. I thought his name was Toots, which just shows that I'm a fucking moron. Um, passed away in... 1976 uh vince mcmahon um uh gave wild red berry and phil zocco the option to buy 25 percent of mott's capital sports berry declined uh and alerted gino morella uh and although vince mcmahon uh, maintained uh his 50 percent arnold scoland got 10 percent um zocco got 20 percent and morella got 20 percent 
Uh, in later years, a guy named Willie Glisenberg, uh, who was a boxing promoter and figurehead of the WWF, uh, owned a very small penis in the 1970s. So when Victor McMahon goes to take over in the 1980s, um, he has to get a guy named Phil Zocco and um, uh, old fucking Arnold Skoland and Gorilla Monsoon on side. Skoland and Gino were given jobs for life in exchange for going along with the expansion. I don't actually know what Phil Zocco had to fucking say about it. Him being from Philadelphia, he was probably like, fuck those southern fucks. Let's have a fucking cheesesteak and watch those racists burn. But it's just a very interesting thing. If Wild Red Berry, who was a huge territorial name, would probably have blocked or at least leaked the fact that they were expanding and maybe the expansion wouldn't have taken place in the way that it did. He's just very lucky that Gorilla Monsoon had cash and Wild Red Berry, I assume, was like, will you take a bunch of empties? And that uh, laid the path for what is now the WWF. It's interesting, though, because I fully believe that you can't stop someone like Vince McMahon. Like, I don't think that you could have stopped him from doing what he wanted to. Like, I think that it would have just been slower, but he would have done the same thing because the, and this is where everyone, like, they'll teach you that wrestling is sort of like, um, if you want to kind of see what the world is like, you could pretty much just watch professional wrestling and glean what the world is like at that time. And this is where I think that it's, even in business sense, it's the exact same thing because everything is becoming corporatized in the fucking 80s and someone was going to do this to wrestling. It's just Vince McMahon beat everyone to it. Vince McMahon Jr. saw how the world was going, saw all the mom and pop shops closing and thought these mom and pop wrestling shops need to close. And he was just lucky because no one feels anything for like... The only promoter that seemed to be an okay man was Don Owens. Yeah. The only major promoter was an okay man. The rest of it was just a mix mash of people shorting you on the fucking gate. And like, like Jerry Jarrett's still doing fine because he never paid anyone to wrestle there. You know what I mean? Like Jerry Jarrett went on the oldest model in the book, which is like, it's exposure. Whereas like all of the other wrestlers were horrible racists, but also former wrestlers. So they at least paid some of the gate okay. And I think Vince McMahon would have just done, like, I I think, Vin, like, this is the kind of the end of the episode. Not this isn't the end of the episode, but this is something I should say at the end of the episode. But I don't think Gorilla Monsoon is as important as I people did, think. No, I disagree. Because I think he was just I there. I disagree because if it, Vince McMahon would have been stopped because the thing is, is yes, they had the big media territories, but Vince McMahon is a good promoter of events. He's not the, it, he's not the best wrestling promoter. If the expansion would have happened in the 80s because of the technology boom of cable. It could have been he could have been beaten to it by the Crockett's or by Bill Watts. They just didn't have the infrastructure and the ability to go in the moment. Other people attempted it a few times. Vince McMahon just had the perfect circumstances of the right wrestlers, total control of the company, deep pockets and the ability to go to a lot of banks. If he didn't have those three things at the time that he needed to have them, which is when he expanded, it would never have worked, and it would have then gone to Crockett, or it would have gone to Bill Watts, or some combination of the three. Because you have to remember, if WrestleMania, like he doesn't have the seed money for WrestleMania in the way that he does, that may he may not get the right celebrities, not as many eyes on all the newspaper attention. It doesn't become the cultural phenomenon that it is. He had a huge advantage in that he was in New York. I think that's the biggest point in his favor, but. 
He also had a lot yeah. of advisors that have been around wrestling at a very high level for a long time. And also things like Gorilla Monsoon, I'm sure knew where all the bodies were buried of all those promoters and knew who was vulnerable. He also would know, like, go get Jim Barnett. I guarantee Gorilla Monsoon knew who Jim Barnett was. If he's dealing with Puerto Rico and Japan all the time, he would have had a lot of conversations with Jim Barnett, which Arnold Skolan wouldn't have had because Arnold Skolan's job was basically be in New York or go get Andre the Giant. Just follow the sound of all those women saying, oh, God, that man smells like bird shit and red wine. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon is, is incredibly important and I think that Vince McMahon in a rare show of humility is very aware of it because you see how he um, protects and treats him well it's a sign of like we'll take a break now but like it, it's a sign of a lot of people where it's like they're thankful for the rise but like once you're there they kind of have a hard time being thankful because they forgot what it's like to not be super famous Absolutely. and wealthy. Gorilla Monsoon's in-ring career ends after a series of matches with uh, superstar Billy Graham. Gorilla Monsoon never got over the fact that uh, superstar Billy Graham ended his career so much so that when there was rumors of Billy Graham's death he wrote an obituary for his opponent and then never retracted it when it was discovered Billy Graham was fine. Oh god. YOLO. We're going to have a quick break and then we'll be back. With more Gorilla Monsoon. Hey, everybody, get back. Come back after the break. Jesse Ventura just said 9-11's an inside job and then just killed me. I've been, uh, I've been, sl- I've been putting a cup on my skin mound where my dick is. So it actually makes my cock bigger. That's the start of this ad. Oh, Please go to patreon.com <laughs> backslash wrestler review <laughs> and donate, <laughs> and donate to us. $5 gets you exclusive access to our patreon feed and episodes ahead of time for 25 bucks you can select a wrestler to review one guy did buck zoom off who's a pedophile rapist and we still reviewed him god damn it we have no allegiances go to patreon to hear the buck zoom off episode also known as the time where two friends are pushed to the fucking edge <laughs> yo 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 patreon.com backslash wrestler review or rate us on itunes subscribe Throw yourself out a fucking window. Who gets a shit? Jazz, welcome back. All right, these two opponents are going to have to fight over the purse money. He's going to get punched in the kisser. Stick a fork in him. He's done. This place has gone bananas. The electricity is here. So thick you can cut it with a knife, Jazz. Pandemonium running wild. Jazz, I just discovered cocaine and it is absolutely divine. I feel nothing. Jazz, something you should know about me. I'm a fountain of misinformation. You should read about this kid, Alex Jones. He seems like he knows a lot of stuff. (laughs) Oh my God, he's one, two, three. He's done like dinner. Much like the earth is definitely flat. Everyone needs to know this about Tower 7. In no way was it uh, involved in any sort of banking vault system, yet that will be a widely held conspiracy theory by my broadcast partner, Jess. (laughs) Gorilla Monsoon. It was a controlled demolition, Jess. Hulk Hogan's the champ. I understand that Gorilla Monsoon is not the best play-by-play man, but he will always be my favorite. I think he... I think he's most influential as a play-by-play man because... Holy fuck is he. They basically... Well, I mean, Vince McMahon basically... Jim Ross came in and he had a set way that he does color commentary. And Jim Ross was like... And Vince McMahon always hated that. Like, you can see Michael Cole basically was the regular raw play-by-play guy as soon as 1998. Switching off with Jim Ross because... Bell's palsy. 
Well, also because he was like, mm, Michael Cole just says maneuver a lot and doesn't know the moves. Like, Vince McMahon always really wanted like it to make it so easy to be a casual fan and just watch wrestling and like watch week in, week out and, you know, and pick it up and put it down and it not be that big a deal. Like, Vince McMahon wants, wrestling fans want Game of Thrones. Vince McMahon wants like Nash Bridges. <laughs> like, that's, that's the fucking. For the nine people to know what Nash Bridges is. But Vince McMahon wants, like, Magnum P.I. in the 80s. And, you know, wrestling fans want The Wire. Like, that's the that's the big thing. And for Magnum P.I. in the 80s style commentary, like, super casual, Gorilla Monsoon was great. He, was, he always kept the energy up. Well, that's, um, that's I will say this. Also- a lot of times he couldn't really justify what good guys did. <laughs> because Jesse Ventura would be like, why is it okay when Hulk Hogan rakes the eyes and not okay when the Million Dollar Man does? And, and uh, Gorilla Monsoon would be like, well, that's because I don't know, Jess. I stop paying attention. The purple one's beating up the green one. I, oh, I did a, I did a lot of pills, Jess. It's an ama- it makes me stop feeling. It's an amazing thing about... Um- uh, it's amazing thing about Gorilla Monsoon is that what it was was that he filled the silence, and that's why I liked him. That's the big, the biggest thing is him and <laughs> you couldn't have said that more depressingly. He just made the voices no, go if away. But you, you watch, I've been watching WrestleMania. There are so much silence where you are you lose part of the you lose the plot. Of, you're just like, why are they? Why is nothing happening? It's like. He was attempting to tell the story. He was filling in the whole ideas. You have that tete-a-tete between him and Ventura or him and Bobby Heenan was even better. Of It was propelling the storyline forward. It was that conflict that you could feel as a fan that you would have with a friend watching it who likes one team and you like the other. It was an extension of how you were feeling about a particular match. And um, since they've lost that, they've really lost part of the immersive element of it. Also... Gorilla Monsoon added legitimacy to it because he was this big, giant, lumbering guy that you heard about being this wrestling legend, but you never saw it. Like it was just, it was like, it was like, oh yeah, of course he was a wrestler, but that was so long ago, no one has any videotape of it, and it it really added something to it, as opposed to now where it's Corey Graves who had his catchphrase tattooed on his hands, Renee Young who clearly could do a great job if Vince McMahon kept. Uh, stopped referring to her as that chair and Michael Cole who shaved the soul patch and talk you're an actual journalist you know how to vamp and fill time which is what Vince or what Gorilla Monsoon was so good at is that it he you knew which side he was always going to fall on he uh, always had the emotions of like of just someone who was a reasonable gentleman no matter what bad guys are bad good guys are good and then when you played him off against a heel like Jesse Ventura, it was just so fun to listen to. Now say something that you're going to say, Dylan. These are simpler times, though. These are simpler, simpler times. I don't because think I don't are. think no, a guy like I, that's not fair. Now I do like Gorilla. A guy like Gorilla Monsoon would have been absolutely scared today because he's you're exactly insane. who Gorilla Monsoon is. He would absolutely be scared. It'd be like if Kane just started being commentator right now. This is the exact same thing. He's a big, crazy monster, and then he becomes, like, a likable... You know what it would be like, actually? It'd be like if instead of going back to being The Undertaker, The Undertaker was just the play-by-play guy after the American Badass. That would have been... It would have been the exact same thing, and I don't... 
you need to know moves now because the fan base is so hyper dorky that there's no way he could have gotten away with what a maneuver and the pandemonium and all like all the catchphrases were great as a kid but like now there's no fucking way I think way. he would have been the, the people fine. are too nerdy they would have wrote him and they would have like he would have been a fine like secondary guy but the thing is now I don't think that's an indictment of Gorilla Monsoon explicitly I think it's like an indictment of fans now it's just people get too into shit and like you know you watch five hours of something of course people are going to repeat shit and if you watch five hours a week of wrestling you watch Raw and Smackdown the problem isn't the problem is how much shit comes out I said that a million times but it's how much content comes out of wrestling you're of course you're going to get bored of it and if this place is going bananas happened like seven times a week for however many years because he had to do three-hour broadcasts. Like, a lot of the charm of Gorilla Monsoon is A, it's attached to childhood, and B, it the fucking shows didn't happen that often. Like, you'd get a Saturday Night's main event, like, what? Twice a year? Three times four a time, year? Four How times a year, Dylan. Were? It's four. You should have taken one So more that's guess. eight. You had to wait one and a half months to hear Gorilla Monsoon say it's going. they're going bananas in here. It was a special thing. I, listen, I you you make a lot of great points, and I should agree with you, but I don't want to, so I'm not going. There you go. Nice. Nice. That's what debate is now. You are right, but I won't admit it. Ooh, subversive. Uh, Vincent, uh, Vincent he's, paired he, Ventura yeah. and Monsoon together uh, for uh, five of the six first WrestleManias, and let me tell you, you can really hear how nervous they are for WrestleMania 1, mostly because it's the middle of the afternoon and they both are intimately aware that if this doesn't go well, they'll need jobs. <laughs> Here's a question, though. Uh, do you like Jesse and Gorilla or Bobby and Gorilla better? I like Jesse and Gorilla better, but J uh, Gorilla and Bobby Heenan at WrestleMania 8 is the best part of that show. And that show is great. That's a really good WrestleMania, and they're the best part of it by far. Because they essentially yeah. play out how everyone is feeling about the Ric Flair Macho Man Randy Savage match throughout the entire fucking uh, program. And like Gorilla literally daring Bobby Heenan to jump off the balcony when Ric Flair dies or loses is phenomenal. Well, just go ahead. It's fantastic. <laughs> I think a lot now thinking about it that Gorilla Monsoon's strength was is that like he had no character other than like likable yeah. man and that the heel the com color commentators that he was paired with could just basically do 70% of the talking and all he had to do was call the moves and then say his catchphrases. And I think that like look at Michael Cole like how many catchphrases does he have versus a guy None. like Jim Ross. Yeah. And like if you were to apply and I think it would still be fine if you were to apply this formula which basically was Michael Cole talks talks 30% of the time and then Corey Graves talks 70% of the time. I think it would be fine. Yeah, I I agree. It's also because established You had what you had was Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say what you had was really the first not the first two but two of the first heel color commentators, and you haven't had people that good since. Like, people who are that good at improving, of course. Now, I don't know when they basically came up with the Vince McMahon is in your ear and gonna tell you what the fuck to do, but like, uh, headpiece that they now have for sure. 
but Jesse and Bobby Heenan were not using those things. And he's like, also, they were in the business when Vince McMahon Jr. was in diapers, so they'd probably just be like, no, I'm just going to say whatever I want. Like, I'm going to go say whatever I want or I'll go somewhere else. Like, that's that's how this works. And it really shows. And they, they really were great. Like, I think Corey Graves, if he didn't have Vince McMahon in his ear. Like, imagine if we're doing this show right now and someone's telling us what to do and we just have to not talk to them. And they just get to yell at us. Like, how fucking insane that must be. But I think that's really the... Mon- Sometimes the best thing you can do is allow someone else to be the star, and I think Monsoon did that very um, well. I completely agree. Also, I guarantee Vince McMahon started getting in the ear as soon as Gorilla Monsoon stopped being the commentator, because I guarantee this is how it would have gone. Uh, Gino, I, uh, if you fucking say one more, if you fucking skip a pronoun one more fucking time, Gorilla would have gotten up from the table, walked back, and went, let me tell you something, Vince, I still own 20% of the fucking company, and that 20% will be coming out of your goddamn wife's fucking cunt. <laughs> hey, oh, Vince, you know the funny thing is, you think I couldn't just make you missing. I'll have you someone dressed in your skin, acting like they're you till the day you fucking die. Linda won't even notice the difference in bed, you useless shit. Back to you, Jess. Let me tell you something about Ireland. It's where Italians go when they want to fucking shit in a woman's mouth, and that's what's going to happen to you, Vince, because I consider <laughs> you a woman. <laughs> now I'm going to go walk this flat earth. The earth is flat, Vince. Oh, he's flatter on the mat than the Earth definitely is. Fun fact about the flat Earth conspiracy theory: the one of the big propagators of it, a man named either Math Powerhead or um, uh, uh, Matt Boyland. Start. I did comedy with him in Montreal for the first three years of my career, and he's really good at it. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> he's just fucking nuts. That's very funny. Yeah, didn't have it. Yeah, some people are good at comedy and then... Did, uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't have a bathroom in his apartment. That's what I remember about him. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, no, well, come on. It was Montreal in the mid-2000s. The town was pretty banana-go-nuts. Yeah, for those of you who know Montreal, like, imagine a town where it's like... <laughs> and uh, looking at this place... Do you, got, do you have a... Is there... I'm sorry, I'm saying this. Is there no sink in here? What do you... What do you don't... You don't... You need a sink? What do you... What are you, a normal man? What do uh, you? Yes, there is no just sink. Don't, just don't use a sink. What are you? What are you, a suburbanite? No, I'm not a suburbanite. I'll not have a sink then. Water is fine. Exactly. No one needs water. This is water. what rent, trying to rent an apartment anywhere but Montreal is. Uh, yeah, what's the rent here? Uh, yeah, it's $1,000. Oh, like you pay that to me because I just live here? And they're like, no, you have to pay that to me. I'm the landlord. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, Montreal, you can get rent for a song and literally sing me a song I like. It's fine. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, later forced Gina Morella to step down as uh, lead commentator uh, when he uh, Vince McMahon was finally purchased a calendar and realized that someone above the age of 40 was on his television screen and he couldn't have that. No, what basically happened was uh, Gorilla Monsoon was getting older. His uh, health was a not a bit of a problem, but he was having some lagging injuries. Travel was a bit troublesome for him. So he moved away from being a commentator and made way for Jim Ross, was the master of ceremonies at WrestleMania 9, uh, phased out of the wrestling challenge with Bobby Heenan, uh, and basically just went to All-American Wrestling uh, with Lord Alfred Hayes and would make sporadic appearances on WWF Radio, which was this weird thing where they did radio broadcasts of their pay-per-views. 
that for some reason didn't take off, which you would think really would have actually taken off because it would be an ability to see the pay-per-view for free, but what are you going to do? Yeah, back when that had, like, value. Like, I remember watching Scramble Vision of, like, a WWF pay-per-view where I could hear what was happening and being like, I'm getting... This is a real coup. <laughs> this is a real coup for I Dylan I would do Guy. it all the time. It drove my mom insane. Like, she's like, I don't want to watch this. And I'd be like, well, this is, this is what we're doing. I want to... This is the son you yeah, raised. This is, this is the only thing I'm into we can do as a family, Mom. <laughs> thing number one, we're watching this. Thing number two, because I'm your son, you'll never remarry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be difficult to explain my quirks to yeah. a new man. He'll try and change them, and I will start crying while fighting him. <laughs> He may try to change me, but then I'll just say I wear diapers now. That's how I've changed. <laughs> Rick, I know you're dating my mom, but I made brown in my trousers. <laughs> clean it for me if you're my daddy. Daddy yeah, cleans Daddy always it. cleans my trousers, Rick. Now suck my cock, Rick. <laughs> you fuck my mom, you fuck me. That's how the Hastings family works. It's not even my mom's last name, but she'll be very proud of. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't tell people who your mom yeah, is. She's Jordan Peterson. Otherwise, she'll get a bunch of nudes. No, actually, the uh, our fan base is surprisingly uh, pretty much exactly just like dads listening to this. Here's something I don't understand is people are like, yeah, I listen to your show while I'm doing the dishes and my girlfriend. I'm like, headphones, guys. <laughs> I have never listened to any podcast out loud because my wife would fucking mock me. You know how easy you guys are to mock if you're listening to this out loud? It's crazy. This out of this in context is really problematic. This out of context is a nightmare. <laughs> I think it's actually worse in context. Oh, we could get married. You know what? I would honestly be more embarrassed. I would honestly be more embarrassed out loud that I've, I heard a guy saying, uh, if I heard someone saying, my mom's new boyfriend has to clean up my diaper and suck me off because I'm you're my, you're my daddy and my fuck thing, I would be way less embarrassed someone hearing that out loud than us talking about, really seriously talking about this old dead man's commentary. Well, that's why this show is a real contradiction in turn. What what are they embarrassed by? Not the thing anyone would think they're embarrassed by. What's this podcast about, honey? Oh, I'm listening to it out loud because it's about scat play. <laughs> okay, cool. What are you listening to on your headphones? Magic cards <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's that's how my house works, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> oh, these are strategies in Monopoly. Okay, cool. What are you listening to out loud? Uh, Literally a guy just, just dry reading what like crazy men say downtown uh yeah what are you uh what are you listening to uh in your headphones oh it's a podcast where someone just plays solitaire and quietly breathes oh what are we <laughs> what are you gonna what are you gonna put on for us both to listen to oh uh this is just the sounds of two men reluctantly coming anytime i see someone on their like smartphone playing solitaire I think you have a gun at home with one bullet. <laughs> well, in it. I don't have a like. There's so many good things you can do on a smartphone, and you're choosing solitaire. I saw someone playing Minesweeper, which if you had a computer in the '90s, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
that's funny. And I yeah. wanted to knock the phone out of their hands. Just be like, come, like, no, g- just go away. You know, Solitaire is good because the guy who invented it was like, what are we going to call this game? Can we call it, I'm a lonely piece of shit? I mean, Solitaire gets the same thing across. Then call it Solitaire. I'll be pretending to fix something so I don't have to talk to my family. You know how <laughs> shitty time was before television? Where they they had to invent something where you could take a deck of cards and still do something with it. Did they not have suicide <laughs> in the 1800s? <laughs> my sister has uh, very funny stories about how, like, um, she, my mom... Like, there was two levels to the house, and, like, uh, there's, like, a four-year gap, so I would play video games downstairs, and then sometimes my sister would watch TV alone and just play the game of life alone. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was, like, playing all four characters, like, I'm a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm playing the game, no one knows I'm alone. As long as I'm playing the game, the tears stay away. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, that story really does not explain how she is by and far the most grounded person in your life. Like meeting Dylan's family, it's like his wife is there and she and I are just being like, look at these fucking losers. Her Dylan's stepdad is actively asking strangers to pull his finger. Dylan's mom is just like, well, if we leave now, I can make a quick casserole. And then Dylan's sister is just quietly having a nice, normal time. Just like, I work in a reasonable job and I will eventually be, I'll own my house and then I'll have a good kitchen garden where I will, of course, spend my Saturdays because that's a reasonable, fun time. Yeah, and then I'm there fucking smoking weed and doing coke. (laughs) But it doesn't affect it's me. It's weird that it does not affect you. Like it, it, most people, they yeah. say that doesn't affect them. It does not. Af- it doesn't affect Dylan to the point that I've asked him to go to a doctor. Yeah, I go. I go. Hey, now it's time for me to do my nose exercises, and then I just do a yeah, bunch of blow. Yeah, 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 it's weird that no one, no one's called the police either. That he just gets away with it. <laughs> well, John, we've done it. I think it's been an hour. And we've successfully talked about Gorilla Monsoon for five minutes. I mean, what's amazing about uh, Mr. Morella is that he was married to only one woman. Well, this is the funny part was basically he had such a gambling problem that his wife would was just so accepting of it, it sounds like, where he would just be gambling, lose like 10 grand, and then his wife would be like, come on, I made some sandwiches. And he'd be like, okay. And then he'd just go eat the sandwiches. And then his wife would be like, I don't see a... I, if this was any other era, I'd divorce you. What's even nuttier is that Victor Cuenos, who is a Puerto Rican wrestler and promoter, uh, was listed as Gorilla Monsoon's son because he was his secret bastard son. And we just talked for an hour and six minutes and didn't even talk about how Gorilla Monsoon had a piece on the side in Puerto Rico and had a secret son. Oh man, what a time the 1950s was. Here's a little thing about me, Jess. I got a little side business in Puerto Rico. It's a bakery, and all I do is cream pies. <laughs> we almost did a whole episode without mentioning cum. Do you understand that at the last minute? <laughs> if you don't leave it in, you're gay. Back to the ring. If you have gay sex with a man and you leave it in, you're straight. I don't make the rules. I just like them. Back to you, Here's Jess. The thing with me, Jess. I believe in cheating on my wife more than I believe in speaking with her. All right, off to Puerto Rico, where they call me Billy Raw Dog, because that's what I've told them my name is. <laughs> 
Oh, I've never cheated on my wife. I firmly believe that that is my white wife and I have a Puerto Rican wife. So out of the possible races, I only have two of the 70 wives I could have. Here's something about me, Jess. I bet on the ponies and I bet on the rhythm method. I lost it both. <laughs> no, yeah, apparently he would just call the office and be like, when is Vince getting in? Can I put money on when Vince is getting in? Everyone would be like, ah, <laughs> just like hang up. I could see, like, that's for sure. Like, oh, Gorilla Mon- Gorilla's the great, the best guy, except for his crazy gambling addiction. But anyway, that's Gorilla Monsoon. Here's a spoiler alert. He's dead, too. Isn't that crazy? He, uh, he, he did the, I, I mean, I don't know if this is one of the crazier things, but basically they were like, hey, uh, you can live. You just have to, uh, get a pacemaker and cut down on the cheeseburgers. And he went, that ain't living, yeah. baby. <laughs> just fucking died. Which is pretty, and his last two weeks of his life were incredibly painful. Apparently, like he was just like in so much pain, and then someone walked up to him with a salad, and he smacked. He's basically Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec as a man. Like that's how the Ron Swanson story ends, just with him throwing a salad in the garbage, <laughs> dying in makes, pain. It just ends with him appearing incredibly gaunt at WrestleMania 15. Yeah, he basically was like, "I just learned about a thing called vegan, where no one eats eggs or meat." Time for me to die. <laughs> That's pretty much what he did. He would have made an attempt on Daniel Bryan's life. Had he You're a what? That Phil, that Phil Brooks guy doesn't drink? I'll suffocate them both with my final breast feds. Don't worry. They won't he live. He would assume that Daniel Bryan was a rabbit. Like he literally. Is it true that when you fuck <laughs> it's a lot? It's crazy. You just let him out of his cage. Yeah. And he knows what to do. Pardon me, rabbit boy. Why are your shits in pillet form? (laughs) So what's your favorite thing about Gorilla Monsoon, John? I mean, the crazy things he called body parts is pretty good. But my actual favorite thing is that when for a brief time he would refer to the various uh, uh, cash prizes wrestlers could win if they won the match, I thought it was just the most needlessly tacked on thing ever. I love it so much. Yeah, I thought that was great, too. Uh... I think the best thing about Gorilla Monsoon was that he just seemed like a nice old man. And I think that that showed a lot of versatility to go from, I'm the scariest fucking man you've ever seen in your life in the 60s to like legit 10 years later, this nice old man is my grandpa. You know, like he was really was just like a, and I don't think that with, like you said, a man over 40 on TV. Like I think there's a lot to be said for just having a nice old man on television that makes you feel at home watching wrestling. Cuz that's a lot of what sports is. It's just nice old men describing the thing to you. And it puts a lot more stakes like who gives a fucking shit if someone beats up Michael Cole. That's why they never done it. But when Vader beat up Gorilla Monsoon, it was insane. Like it was like I guess this Vader guy is the devil. And I loved Vader. You couldn't have done anything else to turn me against Vader when I was watching wrestling in grade, like, five when he came in. But when he attacked Gorilla Monsoon, he's like, well, I mean, you beat up Granddad, so I hate you. And there's no way people have that kind of attachment to a color commentator anymore. Like, I don't know. If it was an arena of just 10-year-olds, would they cry if Michael Cole got beat up? I don't think so. Oh, no, they'd just be like... What's the worst thing about Gorilla Monsoon? Yeah, they'd be like, he no-sold anyway. (laughs) I don't know when kids become nerds now, but it's probably really early. 
Oh, the worst part about Gorilla Monsoon is that he uh, uh, definitely cheated on his wife and produced a kid out of wedlock and probably didn't acknowledge the kid until after the kid died. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll change. No, he... He acknowledged them. They were all co-owners of uh, Puerto Rico, and that was just like that was just a thing that wasn't done, John. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to Victor. It was embarrassing to his family. I think uh, the worst thing about Gorilla Monsoon, uh, it was probably that his son died. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna change. I'm I'm gonna change it to the fact that his son died because the Vince the Vince McMahon touring schedule was so difficult for the only five referees he employed. That one of them drove off the road and it was very sad. And also Bret Hart apparently kept just bringing it up in meetings, which is must have been fucking brutal. Why? Well, the more you hear about Bret Hart, the more you're like, oh, that guy just was like a weirdly, he just had a weird social disorder. Yeah, I don't think uh, Sean should win the match because uh, Sean's, uh, Sean, uh, Sean doesn't talk to his mom. Yeah, I don't think Sean, Sean shouldn't win because it's his boy and it's uh, champions are men. No, I think, yeah, I think that if you don't have a good relationship with your dad, like I have a good relationship with my dad, then you should actually give me 10 bucks. <laughs> so give me 10 bucks to everyone who doesn't have a dad. Like, honest, the first punishment is you have no dad. The second one is $10 <laughs> right fucking now. You, you've this Of all the points you've made on this podcast, and you've made quite a few in the many years that we've been doing this program, the best thing you've ever pointed, <laughs> The over 35 years we've been doing. The best point you've ever made is that Bret Hart would consider $10 a punitive amount of money. <laughs> I just need to buy two protein bars, so uh, give me 10 bucks, anyone who's a bastard here. Oh, it's, yeah, everyone everyone knows it's 10 bucks. Yeah, you got to give me 10 bucks. <laughs> so that's Gorilla Monsoon, everybody. Did we do a good job of uh, doing his biography? At points. But sometimes, no. We got sidetracked for talk about Solitaire. We talked about Rent Montreal. As once, as all, this is the free version of the Wrestler Review. If you want to pay for this shit, and we're on the paid version, we talk about the thing the whole time. It's five bucks a month to access to our wonderful Patreon feed. That's at patreon.com backslash wrestler review. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is the Wrestler Review Podcast. Instagram and Twitter at Wrestler Review. And John, do you have anything else coming up, you big fuck? Um, the Edinburgh Festival and my album uh, Come Baby and uh, my old Edinburgh show Adventure is now available for download on iTunes. Go have yourselves a listen. Also, I'm not a fuck. There you go, baby. I have tour dates. All my shit's on dylangott.net backslash shows. dylangott.net backslash shows. So go look at that shit. Figure out if I have something in your area. I'll be coming to the UK in May. Big things happening. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Now, go to sleep right now. Immediately. Go to sleep. Now. Now, now even if you're driving, especially if you're driving, put your close your eyes. Close them. If you're driving, put on your left signal, turn right, and yell, Joey Barella! Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>